2022 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Derek Stingley Jr., defensive back, LSU. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. We're continuing our off-season series here while we try and understand a little bit more about these rookie classes. And so far this year, we've uh, we've been around a couple of guys, and this one's going to be even more pertinent because we went double LSU with Austin Deculus and, of course, Derek Stingley at third overall and we're still waiting to find about these guys um, as training camp preseason rolls around uh, but Lon Philip Sullivan from the LSU Odyssey is joining me how are you what's up how you doing sir thank you I'm good I'm, I'm good thank you for your time I appreciate it. I was I was recommended to Lon um, by another podcast they said he's the main man to speak to so what is your view of LSU football right now? It's kind of been from the highs and the lows and everything in between the last three years. Oh, man. Uh, covering this, covering the last few years, right when I started writing about LSU, I've always been an LSU fan, but I, I haven't always written LSU football stuff. You know, I was, always, I was writing novels and, and screenplays and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. And I started writing soccer stuff, some AKA football, as I like to call it, but soccer, as we'll, we'll say on this for everyone's sake. Um, but then I started wanting to write LSU stuff. And then right then the Joe Burrow era happened and it was crazy. It was a wild, epic ride. And you're seeing still the fruits of that team in the draft, you know, 10 guys drafted some of them. I think most of those players had roots in that uh, 2019 team, had a championship ring on their finger from that from that uh, season, including the two guys that you drafted. And, uh, you know, from those epic highs, Coach Ed Orgeron, everyone's saying this guy is going to be coach for life. You know, he fits LSU like a glove. You know, everything was was perfect seemingly. But then behind closed doors, you have not only – the scandals with Ed Ordron, but you had the scandals with Les Miles in the previous regime, and you've got just scandal after scandal piling up. Then you, in 2020, you have so many players in and out. I mean, people were worrying that uh, Stingley was going to be one of those players opting out. So many guys uh, transferring, opting out. Uh, a great, huge, almost biblical exodus uh, from the Tigers. Uh, for a few years there, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but things after, you know, LSU last year had just one of the most injury ravaged seasons I've ever seen for a college football team. Um, you know, after that, you know, one, the worst season we've had in the 21st century, worst season since 1999, first under 500 season, things are looking up when, you know, you finally got rid of that, you know, cancerous culture under Ed Orgeron, got rid of Ed Orgeron. You brought in Brian Kelly, who I think is a smart hire. And it looks like LSU, you know, will they be in that, you know, immediately back to a national championship uh, program? You know, that's, I, that who, we'll see. But here's the thing. LSU always is, you know, full of surprises, always wins national championships when uh, people aren't betting with them. So, uh, you know, the, the future, I think, is bright under Brian Kelly. And obviously he was uh, kind of tweaking his accent as he spoke to the uh, the basketball. Um, if anybody hasn't seen that, he kind of, and then he, he later followed it up by saying, I'm from Boston and we don't have an accent, which was 
kind of doubled down on his uh, on a bit of comedy value. But he's yeah. a well respected coach, Brian Kelly. He's obviously you know been in Notre Dame a long time. You know, solidified them as a you know a big program. Um, despite you know lack of affiliation etc. In terms of you know divisions and what have you. So in terms of the uh, in terms of the in terms of the future under Brian Kelly and is was it just because it was a a complete departure from Orderon and his uh, his gold tigers or all that kind of stuff? Was that was that the uh, was it was that the, was that the thought behind it or what? What do you think? Kind of it was a safe pair of hands, was it, or what do you think was the kind of thought behind the Kelly move? All the above. Seriously, all the above. You, you you had to have a complete reversal, even down to those type of details. You know, the, the, the Go Tigers, that's not even done anymore. You know, like you don't see Go Tigers even being said by the fans. It, it At first under Brian Kelly was everywhere, but then it just slowly, you know, once Kelly kind of made sure everyone knew that, like, that's going to be dead as our slogan right now. Um, it just there was so many just really interesting brand tweaks that Kelly was doing, but at the same time, it's more just about this hard nosed culture that's going to, you know, really up LSU competitively. You know, let's LSU had so much talent in the last few years, especially going into the NFL draft, but at the same time, just completely inconsistent on the field, completely inconsistent, wildly inconsistent. That was down to the coaching, and I think Kelly along with Kelly bringing in a bunch of new coaches. Um, it's, it's going to re-energize the program. I think it's going to, going to take LSU up a level from where, where it was. And, and the culture stuff off the field that goes hand in hand with everything. Um, academic problems, of course, the sexual assault allegations and, and, and the, the lawsuits that are impending, never ending, uh, they had to get rid of that L- LSU Scott Woodward. They had to get rid of that. Brian Kelly was the perfect choice, in my opinion. You know, Lincoln Riley was the sexy choice, but he was not the right guy for the job. Uh, Brian Kelly's proving to be by showing us a different side of himself than than we've ever seen, really before. Like you said, yeah, no, definitely. And in, in terms of the. Obviously, it's become the Wild West in many senses, the college football landscape. you got the, uh, now it's legal, uh, NIL um, impact. You've obviously got the transfer portal. And I heard somebody yesterday talking about if you wanted to speak to a running back in the portal, you had to you had to pony out 50K just to even get in the, with a chance of uh, speaking with a running back. Um, who that was, I'm not quite clear, but yeah, it's basically throwing, it's basically flipped the board in terms of recruiting and then, or a fluid ability to move about teams and, you know, guys staying at the same programme is no longer there. Do you think that's going to benefit or hinder LSU? You know, that that can be both because I've seen it, you know, right the second the transfer thing was unleashed, LSU benefited hugely. Joe Burrow coming in, uh, still probably will be the the most heralded transfer of all time uh, until someone can top those records. Uh, LSU, the ultimate benefactor from the transfer portal. Damian Lewis was a huge part of that offensive line that was that was protecting Joe Burrow at right guard, right next to uh, your guy Austin Deculus uh, on that 2019 uh, offensive line. Joe Moore award winning offensive line, but. You know, LSU has profited from the transfer portal. LSU has profited from this Wild West type of atmosphere with, with NIL. But at the same time, we've also 
you know, Eli Ricks going to Alabama, Kayshawn Booty almost being taken from us to Alabama, a lot of guys opting out, you know, that was in 2020 was more because of the culture and less than like NIL enticements and, and uh, the, the changes of, of college football. It was more to do with what was going on at LSU and the problems there. Um, and, and some of those players' personal problems that were just happening at LSU, they needed to get a clean situation and get out of there. But yeah, it, it's been it's been very interesting for LSU with dealing with all of these changes. I, I think it's going to you're going to see this happen for every school. You're going to see it. You know, it just depends on who what players you like at the end of the day and, and who's your favorite player, because that guy might be gone a week from now. You know, if the, if the portals open, if the rules are there, if the eligibility is there, if the if the off, if the right kind of offers are there. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I think he's, he's certainly putting the completion on. I think when you're watching guys, I was coming at the draft. You know, you think, oh yeah, that guy, and then he's moved to somewhere else, and yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's made an already kind of fragmented landscape even more so. And I think yeah, the change will continue, and you understand the reasons why. But yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll monitor that. I think this year we'll we'll see where it takes us. But college football certainly a, a fluid process right now. Um, Derek Stingley, um, third overall, um, somewhat of a surprise in some senses, less so in others. Um, it was a strange draft class this year. Um, wasn't quite your cookie cutter type, you know, top end prospects and then sort of kind of clear tiers of players. But the Texans sat at third overall, picked Derek Stingley. Was that a surprise for from where you sit, Mon, in terms of in terms of going that high? I, you know. I don't want to be biased at all, but like just talent wise, he was the best corner of the draft. And, and if, if he had been able to play offense, special teams, like they had planned at LSU, he may have been the best overall player uh, for this draft, just athleticism and just, just going off the page. I mean, he just came back from a Liz Frank injury and he's setting these, you know, less than a four, four on the, uh, on the 40 time, all these type of crazy numbers on his pro day, all these, all these questions people had about his speed, all these things, you know, Stingley answered them coming back from this injury. I just, I just find it interesting how much doubt Derek Stingley has been given. And, you know, sauce Gardner, many said, this guy is the best corner. This guy is the best corner in this draft. Derek Stingley Jr. He's boomer bust, boomer bust. No, Derek Stingley Jr. You had to, you had to find that out. You had to find that out. That guy can be the cornerstone of something special. I mean, just the way he took away the field for that 2019 defense. And you know, people want to look at that 2019 defense and say that 2019 defense was porous, but it's really because Joe Burrow and that offense were flying so high going so fast that they had to play so many damn drives out there and you know 130 targets 50 catches allowed in you know basically more or less just two full seasons at LSU even though he was there for three more or less just two basically uh Stingley he also led college football defenders that year wins above average 0.94 uh, the closest defender next to him was like 0.60, 37% completion rate in 2019. You know, just went up just a bit, 45% completion rate in 2020. Surrendered just four catches on back shoulder throws, according to Pro Football Focus College. I, 
you know, Stingley, for all the questions, you know, I actually think people talk about him. He's this quiet guy. He's, he's reserved. I, I actually see a fighter. Look at that Seth Williams play. The Seth Williams play against Auburn. Okay. Seth Williams is, you know, him and Seth Williams are kind of having this duel and they had had this duel for two seasons now. And he makes, he makes a big catch on Stingley. He's turning, he's, he's going to go score a touchdown on Derek Stingley. He's already made the completion on Derek Stingley Jr. Stingley punches the ball out from behind while like attacking Seth, throwing him out of bounds. The ball's like rolling right to his foot. He picks it up. You know, it's it's one of the craziest plays, one of the craziest plays, just barely denying a touchdown and it becoming a, a fumble recovery touchback from Stingley. And it just shows his fight. And I can show you miles and miles of footage of him one on one against Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Eric Gilbert, where he's just uh, playing against guys that are going to demand everything you've got on every play. and so. You know, Stingley has that in him. At the same time, Stingley has shown a, a propensity at times to to allow some some big plays and some some weak sauce kind of passes his way. Like, look at the first of the 2020 Missouri game. I think uh, Connor Basilek completes like five straight passes on Stingley at one point. And it's like Stingley's just playing off coverage, soft, letting the guy catch it five yards, boom, make a move on him kind of weak kind of tackling. You saw that against UCLA last year where he makes that horrible whiff at the end zone. So, you know, uh, Stingley, he, he's definitely got to stay, you know, keep his, he's got to keep going on this. He's got to keep, he's got to stay hot because if, if he lets it loose, if he kind of lets go of, of what, what the type of possessive talent that he has, I just think he can, I just think it would be a really big regret, you know, really big shame uh, to not see Stingley fly as high as he possibly could, you know, also on special teams too. You got someone who could be really special for Houston here. Yeah, what sort of role do you think he can play on, on fourth down? Sorry, what was that? What, what kind of role do you think he can play on special teams? You know, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. At LSU, we wanted to find that question out. We wanted to find that question out. We saw it so rarely, so few, you know, but at the same time, this is someone who just, he's a born playmaker. When you look at like his high school numbers, it was like, it was something like every 3.2 touches or something. I remember writing an article on it a few years back, but every, every like 3.2 touches or something, he was scoring a touchdown in high school, like, rushing the ball, receiving the ball, playing the quarterback wildcat style. Uh, this is someone who's just an absolute freak with the ball in his hands, whether it's returning an interception, picking up a fumble or punt returns, kickoff returns. He could be absolutely diamond dynamite. I'm not saying he's the next Devin Hester, but I wouldn't be shocked if he had at least one or two return touchdowns this you know his first rookie season. I would not be shocked by that at all. Yeah, no, interesting. I've not seen a lot about that. So yeah, interesting caveat to to uh, or wrinkle to to the uh, to the team you could potentially add. I think when you look at the good tape in twenty nineteen and you talked about some of that there, 
What do you think made it so good, or what was his best aspect on the field? His length, his way, the way he can utilize his body, the way he basically just blankets that receiver and just basically mirrors him. He knows their moves. He's got them in his back pocket. He's basically got everything that his father has been training him since birth. This is something that has just run in his family generationally. And he's got that same athleticism. You watch some of his father's footage. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's kind of eerie because it looks like Derek, the way he uses his body, the way he, he moves. It's, it's very interesting. It's, it's very, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious, but yeah, Derek Stingley Jr. It's, the way he forces the quarterback to make just hideous passes, the way he makes the quarterbacks just second guess themselves. Watch what he did to Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa in 2019. In those big games, it's not even the interceptions against Georgia that he had. Of course, he's going to have two picks on Jake Fromm. Of course, we expect that from Derek Stingley Jr. But it's what he did against Tua. And, you know, yes, he, he had that trip, the fall over play where he falls over and Devonta Smith takes advantage of that. But if you really look at that game, Tua had 19 incompletions in that game. And so many of them are errant throws to the side of Derek Stingley's field or he's looking. He wants to throw that. It's not open. And then he goes Christian Fulton's way and then Fulton makes a play on the ball. And the same thing with uh, Trevor Lawrence in that championship game. So many incompletions on key downs that just cost them the game. So here's the thing. Stingley doesn't even have to have interceptions to really be effective. If you look at what happened from 2019 to 2020, even 2021, the few games we saw, I think he's was even better in coverage. We just saw so little of it because he had so few opportunities. And when, you know, say like the first of the Missouri game where he was kind of picked on, I think that's him falling asleep, getting complacent, and just, you know, going through the motions. I'm Derek Stingley Jr. They're not going to throw the ball my way. Oh, oh, crap. And then kind of reacting slow, slowly to it and kind of being soft about it. I think if he can stay hard-nosed, um, Stingley can really be something special for Houston. In terms of, you talked about his father there, and one thing I picked up on the draft was a, a, it was almost a quite relaxed acceptance of being picked third overall as if this was always expected, this was always in the plan, uh, we'd expect nothing less. And I, th- and I think there's part of me that thinks, well, that's the kind of type of attitude and mentality you need at the cornerback position. Exactly. Because every corner is going to get beat. Uh, you know, you're going to have bad plays, you're going to slip up, you know, like you mentioned there. Um but had he checked out, had he, had he, I know the Liz Frank injury was, was obviously unfortunate. There's obviously some bad plays in, the, in his final year at LSU. But do you think he had checked out or was it just a, a case of the program, as you said, the culture issues, all that kind of stuff on him, plus not being on as a talented team, not being successful? Did that compound? And I suppose that would be the concern for Texas fans because, you know, this year and next year, likely there's going to be some tough times sprinkled in there. So, does he have the mentality to cope with that? And, 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 and was there more to it than just injuries? That is an interesting question. That's a great question. And because a very provocative question, because there's, you know, there's so many questions about what happened with, you know, the first, the first game of the season in 2020 Mississippi state. Why were you out that game? What happened? The medical emergency. And there's a lot of uh, questions about, you know, everyone knew he was hurt in 2020. You know, he had repeated ankle problems. Everyone understood that. 
get the surgery. And then 2021, we thought that it was, it was over with, and it was fine. Going into fall camp, he had a reoccurrence of that problem. Bam, right there, first of fall camp, bam. And he was basically going into that UCLA game, probably at like 40%. And so he kept playing on it, kept playing on it, hurt himself a few different times, made some plays, had, you know, three or four games, I think it was, and then he was done. And uh, many are, were saying, did he quit on the team? It, did he not want to play? There was questions about him not wanting to play in the later games in 2020. I don't know the answers to that, to those questions. That's the thing that Derek's going to have to answer this season and next with Houston, because that's the thing. It's, it's really got to be the first round guys. It's really got to be the veterans in the locker room, you know, people like that, the Derek Stingley juniors, the stars of this, of these, you know, of this team, of these squads for the next few years, who are going to have to be the guys is, you know, he may not be vocal, but he leads by example and at his best, at his strongest. And we got to see him do that. We got to see him do it because it seems when he's in the mood, man, he can be just an absolute freak. But, you know, I think something happened at LSU where he was just, I, you know what? I, I already put my body on the line for one season. I'm not doing it for two. And, you know, can you blame him with the money on the table and seeing, uh, you know, <laughs> third overall pick right there, you know, tying, uh, I think it was with Sean Springs for being uh, just only the second ever cornerback picked third overall. So, you know, Stingley, there's so many questions, but there's so many answers too. Yeah. And when you go back to the 2019 season, obviously we touched on Stingley. We'll come back to him before we wrap up. But Austin Deculus was a big part of that um, offensive line, predominantly, correct me if I'm wrong, Lon, but a right tackle. Um, what did you see as the season wrapped up before all the draft process and all the the over um, analysis and the and the almost the kind of false narratives you see in the media and all this kind of stuff? But did you see Deculus as a viable draft pick? You know, I I got to be honest, I didn't. I, I really was kind of like, I think he might be an undrafted free agent. Um, there was just question marks about his technique, his ability, um, whether he was a right tackle or even a right guard. You know, so many people throwing up a lot of different, a lot of different smoke. And then you saw him have some big whiffs this season, last season. But then, you know, watching the film overall, He's, he's really somebody who could actually have a lot of upside because he's, he's so, he, he defines what an offensive lineman needs to be. He's reliable. He's always there. 61 appearances for LSU, all-time appearances, appearances later. But six round pick was, a six-round pick was kind of surprising to me. But he's going home. He's, he's going somewhere where he's very excited to be. He's very excited to be a part of this franchise. Very excited to be given this opportunity. And here's the thing. He will outlast you. He will play through injuries. He will gut it out. He, he appeared in more games than any LSU Tiger before him. And there's so many of those guys who were playing through some crazy injuries, crazy stuff, man. 
his final appearance just happened to be on the very field he's going to be playing his home games at, you know, on Energy Stadium in a game where there were so many LSU Tigers who were heading for the draft who were just uh, quitting. They, were, they weren't going to play that game, but uh, he, he, he wanted in. And he, he definitely wanted to, to set some type of legacy at LSU. And it's, it's about reliability. It's about impact. It's about dependability. It's about, you know, how do you respond when things aren't going well? Deculus always responded well when things were going against him. When he would lose battles, he would respond and, and make this sick-ass block on the edge the next play. You know, Deculus, he was a key component. Say, say whatever you want. He was a key component of that, an ever-present automatic starter for the greatest of all time national championship winning offense in college football history. You, you, I mean, they won the Joe Moore, Joe Moore Award as well. You, you go through and you watch it. I think he grows as an offensive lineman in 2020 and 2021. I think he benefited big time from those seasons. And I think... Um, I think he had a hell of an hell of an impact. He was forced to mature very quickly in his game because so much. I think pretty much all the starters, except for him and Ed Ingram, from the 2019 offensive line, went to the draft. And so from then on, it was basically him and Ed Ingram leading the way for that offensive line. Very young offensive line, dealing with a ton of criticism ton of stuff going their way, a ton of smoke going their way. So here's the thing, like they've, they've seen it. He's dealt with it. He's been through, he's been through hell and back at LSU, man. Austin Deculus. He's seen everything. He's gone through everything you can go through as a football player. That's going to benefit him big time psychologically. I'm not saying he's going to come in there and take out this, this, uh, you know, who was it? Your starting right tackle Titus, uh, Titus Howard. For four year starter, I don't, I don't think he's going to be, you know, coming in there and bullying him out of his position. But if it happened, would it surprise me? No, because Deculus has that type of character. And I mean, he's been, he kind of did it against Alabama this last season in 2019. They, he was really successful against Alabama's defenders, against Florida as well. Just, he, he had some really strong games. Oklahoma was a great game, of course. Georgia in that SEC championship game, very key game. And then you look at the production of someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire running right off of his right hip, running right off of the inside of his left knee. You know, Clyde always ran everyone. I, I swear to God, like 70% of his rushes in that season were through Deculus. You know, yeah. Ed Ingram a lot of times or, or, or Cushenberry, but – it was usually led off that right or a pulling Austin Deculus, which is another thing in movement. Austin Deculus, I feel like that's where he's his strongest man is where you, you, you let him dictate the mismatch. You let him kind of change the angle of, of the, you know, of the def defensive lineman coming at him. He doesn't have to mm. square up and it's going to be this constant, you know, mono a mono battle. It just kind of, use the pulling movements and you can uh, go to town with Austin Deculus. I think, I think he really has an interesting future. I, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a bona fide, you know, pro bowler year in, year in, year out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he carved himself out a nice 10 year career at, in the NFL. 
Well, that's it. I think he's certainly the. Well, I think his best chance would be, you know, going up against AJ Can, who he signed over from Jacksonville, who you know, reasonable money. So I think he'll he'll have time to develop and acclimatize to the demands. But if he can pull and 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 come around, you know, the other side and transfer that mass, the power at the point of attack, and 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 make holes in the running game. I think that's exactly what we need. So, you know, it's good to hear that he's he's got that he's necessarily strength because. You know, with Kenyon Green expected to slot in at the left guard spot, if he can, you know, challenge for the right spot and you know provide as a swing tackle or emergency backup tackle if he needs, then there's going to be a place for him on the squad. Obviously, Charlie Heck from fourth round pick from Carolina from 2020 is will uh, be there to beat out, and you know a couple of other vets in there. But yeah, no, I think Deculus is is an interesting guy who you know who could who could see. You could see time, um, and you know, within within the next year, eighteen months, if if it's not this season. So, yeah, we'll see. I think what what's Austin like as a guy? What's to expect? Is he is he pretty? Uh, is he your standard offensive lineman, or is it? Is, what's 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 he like? A little bit, but at the same time, he's got that the long blonde flowing locks. He's kind of a, a wild dude. He's kind of a, a crazy, very uh, extroverted guy. You know, he's very he's. He's someone who I think if he became a really successful player or even here's the thing, he could become a captain just from his leadership role and ability, no matter how good he was on the offensive line or what string he was. I feel like he could be a face of the franchise anyway. He's that gregarious. He's that just on point. Um, His tone is always right. He's always a fun dude. Deculus, especially if he becomes, you know, a perennial pro bowler type of player, like, if that happens, if that were to happen, I think Deculus, he's got the right character for that type of stuff to handle it. At the same time, I mean, he's a fun dude. I just remember hearing a lot of great stuff about him where it just, it was always positive about Deculus, really. I mean, there, I, I heard a lot of positive and negative about a lot of different guys. We just went through the positive and neg- negative of, of Derek Stingley Jr., but now you go with Austin Deculus, someone who doesn't have all the pedigree and didn't have all the luster before the draft, but was given an opportunity. And I think it's someone, I think he's someone who can really like take advantage of that and, and maximize that because of the setting and the environment at Houston, a place he's comfortable with, a place he's from. I, I think, yeah, Deculus, he's got a very aggressive, mean, and nasty mindset on the field, though. Like, he's he he will absolutely mess fools up, man. I mean, he, there's some cool there's some cool highlights from him, especially in uh, 2019 when he was clearing people out for Clyde. 2021 as well, where he's clearing people out for Ty Davis Price. There's some punishing hits he 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 put last night last year. There's a play where I think it's an interception. I think he chases it down and and uh, and tackles the ball carrier and throws him about. I think I don't know if it was a penalty. I just saw the the clip of the all twenty two, but it, it looked like it could have been a penalty. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just the, the the fight and the and the football aggression. I think is was was clear to see on that clip. So no, I think it's great context on on Deculus Lawn. I I I think we're kind of clear where he is. I think when we drafted Derek Stingley, I said it, I thought it could have the widest range of outcomes from being a pro bowler, um, an all pro type guy because he was the most heralded cornerback position a long, long time. A player, you know, as he said, not a position that necessarily gets drafted that high, 
but a guy who just had everything that everybody assumed and, and knew from an early age when he's training with LSU at 17 to, um, you know, after their bowl game to, 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 to then declaring uh, three seasons later, albeit two kind of taken away by injury. But if you were to kind of project what it, these next sort of three to four years as a pro to be, where can you see it ending up? What, what would be your most likely outcome or your most likely expectation for for thing like this level? Man, you know, that's that's a tough question. That's You put me on the spot there, man. Oof. Well, you know, Stingley, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, say, he made one Pro Bowl out of four years. That, I think that's, like, a very conservative, um, appropriate kind of expectation. But at the same time, like, I think Houston might be, you know, might be the perfect environment where he can actually take over and become that type of guy who could who could be all four years of Pro Bowl, or he could be a rookie type Pro Bowl, or may he might be inspired by the, you know, these recent Tigers who've gone in the NFL, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all these guys, his teammates, Justin Jefferson, of course, just gone in and just dominated. Lloyd Cushenberry, I mean, no one even talks about him or Damian Lewis, but they start every game since they've been rookies for the Broncos and the Seahawks on their offensive line. So, like, people haven't really talked about LSU's offensive linemen going in the NFL because they haven't been sexy, but, like, it's that's just with Deculus there that's in the background. But with Stingley, you know, Stingley Jr. is the sexy, huge, big name that everyone was wanting to talk about whenever it came to LSU's draft this year. It was seemed like it was just Stingley and a bunch of other guys that we'll just we'll figure out about. And, I, you know, I... <laughs> Stingley, yeah, he is interesting as hell. And I think he's going to be a player who, who's going to do great things in his, cor- in his career. He, I really, it would be an intense shame, a divine um, savage mishap if he did not turn good into a perennial Pro Bowl type of player like, you know, say, Tredavious White, his DBU uh, forefather, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew. It would be an absolute shame of dismay if he did not uh, <laughs> um, become like those guys, at least in some capacity, in his own way, you know, in the Stingley way. I'm not expecting him to be those guys. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very up into what Houston does front office-wise in surrounding him to put him in the best situation to succeed. Do you think Stingley – with what's around him in the secondary, I'm I, I'm not exactly sure who you guys have surrounding him in the secondary. No one is the answer. Yeah. Okay, so Stingley's <laughs> basically going to be on his own kind of in a rebuilding process here. You're saying, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, you know that's something that I can see some growing pains with, some struggles, some some kind of tug of war. But I think in the end, when Houston's going to be forced to kind of really make a decision if they want to continue with Stingley or, or cut ties the third or fourth season, possibly, I think they're going to be pushed into making a decision to kind of surround him with the right talent. And I think they're going to do that on defense, hopefully, and to propel him, jettison him to being a perennial pro bowler type player, which he absolutely should be. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I said that right after the draft and talked about it subsequently, you know, there's going to be a lack of pass rush up front. Um, we've signed some veterans who, you know, play roles and have packages and and what have you. But yeah, there'll be some 
welcome. I think we talked about this last week. Um, guys from the SEC don't think they need it, but they will have a welcome to the league moment. And um, yeah, you spend Grove pays every corner gets beat, and and it will happen. But yeah, I think the raw talent is obviously there. Where do you rank them in terms of all those guys you mentioned, Trey White and Ty Matthew, and all those kind of guys? Pat P, do you is a raw talent? Is he is he better than that? You know, I. Raw talent, damn, you know, that's a very interesting question because raw talent, you can make an argument. I've heard Ryan Clark make it, and one of the legendary LSU DBs, you know, double uh, Super Bowl winner with the Steelers, Ryan Clark. Um, he made that argument that Stingley was the best raw talent cornerback ever at LSU or DB overall. For me, Tyron Matthew is the GOAT, unstoppable. Just someone who, in such little time, in such a small window, affected so much. I mean, led college football in enforced fumbles as a freshman and then set the all-time record just in his sophomore season, did all sorts of crazy things, scoring touchdowns in crazy, ludicrous ways, being a Heisman candidate, uh, potentially really winning some huge awards in that season if he would have been able to come back. Jordavius White, he's he, – I cannot say that Stingley is, you know, better than Jordavius White after what he's done, both college and NFL, as well in special teams too. Jordavius White was unbelievable in special teams. Stingley never had a return touchdown at LSU. Jordavius uh, White did that, I think, in multiple seasons. So, you know, like Stingley, for me, he might have to be fourth or fifth six on the on the all-time list maybe even deeper at this point when you're talking about guys like Corey webster who you just have to respect i mean there there is a recency bias stingley did have six interceptions as a freshman stingley uh incredible incredible playmaker but on that all-time list i mean one thing about stingley though that people do not talk about is his ability to respond, you know, from adversity. Let's, let's talk about that Florida game in 2019. You know, he's getting picked on by, uh, by Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask is picking on him with Van Jefferson, and Van Jefferson is just going to town on him. Van Jefferson scores a touchdown on him. And it's looking like Stingley's having the freshman blues, and he's going to just uh, fill his pants up, and LSU are going to lose this game to Florida and we're going to have our first loss of the season at home to the Gators. You know, embarrassing. Instead, Stingley absolutely pulls it together and makes an unbelievable game-sealing interception in the end zone after making a few other brilliant pass breakups to give Joe Burrow back the football, which you know means an automatic touchdown that season. So it's Stingley turned that game around just as much as he – you know, made some made some poor uh, decisions and, and and had some poor coverages that that uh, almost cost us the game. Made it a awesome awesome game. That's the thing that happens at being a DB. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. And Stingley, I think he has the mentality and the character. It's it. He was born to be in the NFL, man. It's none none of this will phase him. Yeah, I think so. And hopefully, um, for the first time, probably ever since a couple of years of the prime of Jonathan Joseph still <laughs> he's taking Jonathan Joseph's number 24 
He played his best ball, number 24, and hopefully we can have a shutdown type of guy who can make teams adjust their route patterns, how they attack a defence and, and influence a game from that position because if you can, those guys are rare and special and uh, we hope we've got that. Um, but looking forward to Lon this year to see where he goes. It will be tough at times. You can't hide from that. Um, but I suppose it's it's how much does he want it and if, if he's got plenty in the tank to go and raise his game um, and he's been prepping for this then let's see what you got Derek because we're looking forward to seeing because you will be tested and he will be tested regularly but um, looking forward to seeing how he gets on this year um, in terms of you know Texans in the draft more relevant with an, a number of picks over the next couple of years is there any guys from the LSU programme that you expect to declare for the 2023 draft that people should be keeping an eye on? Oh, for sure. Kayshawn Booty, um, for sure going to be a top 10 receiver. Um, I mean, he's maybe even a top 10, you know, he's going to be a top 10 receiver on pretty much every mock draft across the board. You're going to see him thrown in there next to Jordan Addison. Everyone's going to be talking about him, but I really do believe he is a top 10 pick potential Kayshawn Booty. He's just, his yards after catch ability is just out of this world. And we haven't even seen Booty at his best. He's got like 15 touchdowns in 16 games or or 14 and 15 games, one or the other. And he just unbelievable 300-yard game, record-setting SEC receiving yards. It just as a, as a freshman, just a freak, Kayshawn Booty. We haven't even seen him at his best. I really expect him to be a first-round pick. You know, um, it's it's with LSU, you're going to see Ali Gay, B.J. Ojolari on the defensive line be those guys who, who are going to declare for the draft as well. Who, who were Ali Gay was close to declaring for the draft uh, this last time and did not, just barely. Mike Jones Jr., um, Mike Jones Jr. at linebacker, who was once a Clemson transfer, uh, won a national championship at Clemson. Lost a national championship to LSU at Clemson. Now he comes to LSU. This is his second season at LSU. If he has a huge breakout season at linebacker, I could see him definitely going into the draft as well. Um, you know, at corner, Makai Garner, who's uh, coming in, transferring from, I believe, ULM, U U University of Louisiana Monroe. And, you know, Probably doesn't really sound very sexy right there, hearing that off the top, ULM, Mackay Garner. But at the same time, man, you watch him, even in Brian Kelly's words, he called him an NFL cornerback, and you watched him. I saw him at spring practice, covering spring practices, just barely this last month, this last few months. He was unbelievable out there. Yes, he got beat on a few plays, but he responded like just against an unbelievable receiving core as well. Really stacked receiving core. So Mackay Garner is one to definitely watch as well. You know, there's there's a variety of guys, offensive linemen and defensive linemen who some transfers as well, who have some eligibility, who maybe one more year, like Joe Fouché will how, what will he become, you know, going into the draft? You know, he has a great resume at Arkansas. Can he, you know, turn that into some maximum cash at LSU and some maximum high draft you know stock jay ward at safety man jay ward he he was a member of that 2019 team jay ward has led the team in pass breakups 
more than Derek Stingley. I think almost double the number of Derek Stingley over the last two years um, from Jay Ward with 10. He had a pick six against Florida. Uh, no, sorry, against Ole Miss. Had, a, had an interception against Florida. Two interceptions, I believe, against Ole Miss. He, he, he's a big-time playmaker, Jay Ward. He almost decapitated Bryce Young this, <laughs> this last season. Uh, Jay Ward, he, he was a corner on that 2019 team, and then corner for a little bit of, of 2020, transitions into safety for 2021. Um, he, it's very interesting, the trajectory his season – I mean, sorry, his career has, has taken, going from corner to safety and taking so well to it. It's been it's been quite incredible. Jaqueline Roy at DT. This guy is an absolute freak. Um, Jaqueline Roy, he's got some Glenn Dorsey vibes, man. I mean, Glenn Dorsey, he was he he never really amounted to too much, I guess, in the NFL, sadly, because of some injuries, but um, and that prevented that from happening. But at the college level, man, he was an absolute freak. Jaqueline Roy, he has the same vibe where I feel like potentially he could do that. Um, Jaqueline Roy puts up a lot of crazy numbers. He's someone that's definitely, I think, uh, top-round potential material as well. Yeah. Well, a lot to look out for, and I think when you start to find lineages with programs and, and front office personnel staff who find schools that treat them well and serve them well, They'll often go back to the well, so I think everybody should be keeping an eye out on LSU football this year. But, uh, Lon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for what a wonderful insight into Louisiana State University. Um, thank you very much, mate. I much appreciate your time. No problem, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, take it easy. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Thank you for that. Cheers. That was cool. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll definitely keep in touch. See how it goes over the uh, this year. But um, but no, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll I'll send you the link once I put it. Out. I'll pro- I'll probably put this one out on Monday. Actually, this Monday coming. So I'll put it, I'll send you the link when I when I shoot it. Out. Appreciate it. All right, Lon. See ya.